for uh, just your Holy Spirit who teaches us. We thank you for his presence here tonight. We thank you that he's in us, each one of us, and, and that he teaches and he reveals and he brings truth to light in us. And I pray, Father, that tonight uh, your Holy Spirit would teach us and that we would have open hearts and minds to receive all that you want to say. God, speak. I pray that you would reveal. I pray that this would be a time of revelation. This would be a time where truth is just really grabbed onto. And I pray, Father, that you would glorify uh, through this time. Illumine your word. And I pray that we are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you have a Bible, there's some available on the tables. You can uh, help yourself. I may need a hard copy here, Don. Never know. I thought you were going to say hard hat. Hard hat. Why do I wear a hard hat? No one knows. No one knows. Yeah. Ephesians 2.17. Ephesians 2.17. If you'd like to open up there, it's uh, the basic verse we're going to use here. Like I tell the youth, uh, the way those work, those uh, books, is General Electric Power Company. Okay, so it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Alright, someone would like to read Ephesians 2.17 for us, please. He would preach peace to you. Thanks. We're far away. All right. All right, so we're going to talk about the words of Jesus. Um, and kind of interesting where it says he preached. Uh, that word just means to proclaim. The particular word here used uh, means a spontaneous proclamation, which is a little bit unusual because most proclamations are practiced or written down or something. Uh, this would be a spontaneous proclamation uh, that Jesus is making, it's also a true proclamation that he's making about something that had already happened, and that was his peace. So, uh, he is uh, bringing his peace after the resurrection. What do you think of when you think of Jesus speaking his peace over people? <coughs> the first thing that comes to mind, anybody? All right, my peace I give to you. So let's look at a couple of those. Luke 24, 36. Keep your finger in Ephesians. We're going to head back to that. But Luke 24, 36. John chapter 20, verse 19. There's a, a couple of uh, after the resurrection kind of meetups that you see here. So Luke 24, 36. While we were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Alright. So, yeah, there's an example of that. Uh, John 20, 19. Anybody? On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Alright. Now, significantly to these two accounts, we have uh, the disciples probably in a confused state, which wasn't that unusual for them, but they were especially confused because of the crucifixion of Jesus, and they witnessed his death. Uh, that was confusing to them because they had resisted his word to them. What was his word to them? Well, he told them that he would be arrested, and that he would be killed, and on the third day he would rise again. Those were his words to them. And he spoke those more than once to the disciples. Uh, the disciples didn't like those words, those particular words, and so they had a hard time receiving them. Now I want you to think about that for a second. Because they, they represent, the disciples often represent us in a, in a lot of ways, in the way that they were dealing with Jesus. Now Jesus was physically there, he was physically speaking to them, and he physically told them these things. I mean, it was obvious speech that he was speaking to them, but they were unable to receive it because they didn't like what he had to say. So I want you to think about that kind of being applied or that sort of that application into our lives. 
So remove Jesus out of it for a second. When people say things to you that you don't want to hear, or maybe they say things that you don't agree with, or maybe they say things that uh, you've never heard before, all right? do you find it difficult to hear it? Alright, and I, I think most of us are in that boat unless we've trained ourselves differently. I think the natural reaction to things we've never heard before, the natural reaction to things we don't want to hear, the natural reaction to uh, something that comes our way that we don't agree with is that we really have a hard time hearing it. We have a hard time receiving it. We have a hard time attaching it to anything in our lives. We have a hard time holding on to it. So the disciples are a great example of that in that we have recorded uh, these words of Jesus that they, he spoke to them, like I said, on more than one occasion, but they were still shocked when he was crucified. They were shocked when he died. And so they're described in a few different places as being in fear. And John especially, he's talking about how they were behind locked doors, and they even described why they're behind locked doors in John chapter 20 for fear of the Jews. They were afraid they were going to come after them and kill them next. So they're in a state of confusion. They're in a state of disbelief. Uh, they are scared. And so the first words to Jesus, both in John 20 and in Luke 24, is he, or peace. That's, that's the words that he gives them. He gives them the word peace. And I guess if you think about the state that they were in, to me, that's their point of need. That's what he spoke to them. So they were in a specific situation. They were in a specific circumstance. They found themselves in a specific mindset after this, what happened. And so he speaks to their point of need right then, and that was they needed peace. And so he speaks peace into them. Now what's our connection to that? Obviously, we weren't alive 2,000 years ago. All right. So we have a connection with the disciples in that we are similar in some ways to the way that we communicate, the way that we understand things, the way that we're willing to receive revelation, the way that we receive uh, God's Word, in a way. We're similar in some ways. But we have another connection, John chapter 14, if you want to look there, verses 25 through 28. John 14, 25 through 28. And, and that begins to connect us a little bit closer to what he's saying here. John 14, 25 through 28, somebody want to read that? All this I have spoken while still with you, that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Alright, so here's an example of what I was talking about when Jesus spoke this over his disciples. The other part of this that connects us to it is the Holy Spirit. Because what he's saying is he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, my understanding of that, and I think most people's understanding of that, is that the Holy Spirit that he's talking about was sent in Acts chapter 2. That was after his ascension. And then that connection to us, as Peter said at the end of Acts chapter 2, at the end of his first, first sermon there, was that this promise is for you, your children, your children's children, as many as our God shall call, which includes us. So we are connected to this work of peace, we're connected to the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're connected to the words of Jesus in this. And so I, I want to make sure that we understand that we're connected to this very directly through the Scriptures. And so we, we don't have to wonder, I wonder, well, I wonder if that's for me, I wonder if that's a word that applies to me or my life, because it is a word that applies to your life. The, the other thing I want to point out about this is, uh, it has to go back to our ability to hear. Uh, when I said that we naturally have trouble receiving certain words, and we naturally have trouble hearing certain things or applying certain things in our life, that's true. I mean, that's human nature. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
It doesn't have to be that we're going to just, anytime we hear something new, we're going to reject it. It doesn't have to be anytime we hear something we don't want to hear that we're just going to reject it. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that we hear something we disagree with and we just reject it out of hand because it's not in our uh, point of agreement in our life or in our mind. We don't have to live that way. And so there, there needs to be some kind of challenge in us to not live that way. Some kind of challenge that is going to open us up to some other things, some new things, some things that maybe God's going to reveal, that He'll reveal by a Spirit, or that He'll reveal through maybe a person that He sends, or He'll reveal through a book that we read, or re reveal through some other means or some other media that He chooses to reveal. We can't be closed off to what God wants to say and what God wants to do, because once we do that, we just stagnate. And it's that stagnation, you, well, you know what stagnation, you smell, you ever smell stagnant water? Yeah, it's, it's disgusting, because it's, there's dead stuff in it. Yeah, dead stuff goes to stagnant water to die, and then other living things go there to feed on the dead stuff. And then there's just dead stuff, and smelly stuff. Alright, so I'm not a botanist. But what I'm trying to say is... <laughs> What I'm trying to say is, is that the stagnation is no good. It's just no good. Right? Unless you like mosquitoes. I mean, it's just no good. Because we need a flowing water. We need a living water. And that's what God intended for us. He intended not only for us to have a living water around us, but He intended that from our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And the only way that's going to happen is if there's something alive in us, there's something living, there's, there's, a, there's a pouring forth out of our life of something that's alive, and that's not going to happen from a place of stagnation. So to me, it's imperative that we reach some kind of a point in our life where we're not just closing ourselves off, not just re rejecting things because they're new or unheard of, but we're allowing God to reveal and we're exploring and we're moving forward in what God is saying. Now, we're a warning. The older you get, and I'm not picking on anybody, <laughs> the older you get, Don, I'm not even looking at you, buddy. I'm not even looking at you, buddy. I'm not looking at you. Everybody else is, but I'm not Oh, you are. The older you get, the harder this is, all right? Uh, unless you have developed somewhere along the line the habit of being able to be open, of being able to receive, being able to change, kind of roll with it, with whatever's coming up or whatever's going on. So, you know, it's, it's something you want to develop early because it's a lot easier to develop and maintain than it is to develop later in life. Uh, you get so old that you already know everything, you know? And, uh, I mean, everybody knows that's not true, but it, it's kind of the way we live after a while. And so we have to be careful of that. Because that is stagnation. You know, you know that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want to be the dog there in that scenario. You want to be learning new tricks when you're old. Although, if I may interject, the more I found, the more I know, the more I know I don't know. Right, <laughs> right, and that's wisdom. But that's that's true. That is wisdom, and and uh, I think sometimes it's more of an entrenchment that takes place, where we just do the same things over and over again, or we hear the same things over and over again, so we predict an outcome based on what we've heard and seen before. I catch myself doing that all the time, but that is again a form of stagnation because it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It could be and it may be, uh, but I, like I tell myself and I tell anybody that will listen, we don't know that. We need to live it through to see. And, and that's part of everyday life. It's part of our existence is to live it through and see. And uh, we serve a God that can change anything. We serve a God that changed the time of the sun in the sky. We serve a God that uh, parted a, a sea. 
that, that rolled back a river. I mean, those are all big natural things. You know, the stopping the sun in the sky. That, that's that's a big natural thing. He does that. Oh, he did that, I should say. So, I, I we we can't just assume because something's happened the same way that it's always going to happen that way. Right? And and yeah, you know, that kind of induction plays a part in our life. You know, we we make certain assumptions based on certain things. But just to be careful not to allow that to become entrenched. Now, now some of that too, if you think about it, if you, how many people have been in a car accident? All right. How about been in a car accident that's your fault? I have. All right. Now, a lot of times people get in car accidents because of that. They're in a car, they're watching what's going on on the road and they see a certain behavior and they make an assumption based on what they've seen time and time and time and time again. But what happens is the person who you're assuming is going to do something, so you take your eye off of it, they do something else that's completely and utterly unexpected and bang. Alright? And then you think, well I wasn't paying attention. Well, you weren't paying attention. Because sometimes, and I'm not saying every time, but sometimes in your mind you made an assumption based on past experience that this is what's going to happen. And it just didn't happen that way. Something completely different happened and you weren't on it. And so, I mean that's happened to me with people turning, or it's happened to me when I've seen people breaking, or it's happened to me when I've seen people, uh, you know, just whatever the behavior is that, you know, like 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, that what, what you thought was going to happen happened right in front of you. But it's that one time it didn't happen the way you thought. Bang! And, and that's it. You know, I was, I was driving down, I, I thought of an example of this. This didn't end up being my fault, but I was driving down the road and there was a, a car at a stop sign and it was some lady at, at the stop sign. She had her turn signal on and she's there and I'm on a road that didn't have a stop sign. So I'm just driving along and uh, and right when I got almost in front of her, she just pulled out right in front of me. Completely unexpected. I mean, completely unexpected. And I just ran into her. And uh, she ended up getting a ticket, and I, you know, I got a new car. But, <laughs> but the point was, like, how many times have I passed people at stop signs? Am I flinching when I go by? No. Because most of the time they're going to sit there, right? Well, she didn't sit there. You know, I was going to use a different example, but it's so common around here, it's a bad example of, you know, coming up to a four-way stop, mm. and you see a person coming to the other four-way stop, so what's your expectation? They're going to stop. They're going to stop, right? Mm. But around here, what's your expectation? They're going to go. go right through it. All right, right. <laughs> that's a bad example because that, that's just the, the nature of the place we're in. But, you know, it's those kind of situations, and you learn your lesson. And, and, and that's it. So, being careful not to become too entrenched. Being careful not to become too dependent on or having too much faith in induction and extrapolation. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, we live our lives that way, but there's a lot of things that don't follow that, that, those rules and there's always exceptions to inductive conclusions or extrapolations. And so, we need, we need to be open to that. Open to it. But really cultivating that right now, not later. Alright. Alright, so, the, this verse says that he preached, or he proclaimed, he spontaneously brought some truth about what happened. In other words, his peace. His peace. He said to the Jew and the Gentile, or the religious and the non-religious, I, I just put that in context to what was being said before. And so he spoke to the religious and the non-religious, because that was the Jew and the Gentile. The Gentile was the pagan, the heathen, the, uh, the one who didn't know anything about God, and the Jew represented those that had been brought up in the religious tradition of the day. And so his word his preaching, his proclamation, the truth that he was speaking, that spontaneous reality that he was bringing to them, that peace, was to the religious and the non-religious. And that, that's key to us, 
and it's key to some of the population that we reach because uh, whatever that word is, it needs to make sense to people. And, and number one, we need to receive it. We need to receive the word of peace. We need to receive whatever that ministry is at our point of need. But we've also got to, as we're called to go and to teach and go and to baptize and to go and to reach people, there's got to be some way that that needs to be understandable to the people that we're reaching out to. What's the most understandable thing about you, most likely, if you're going to share with somebody? What do you think? It's your own story. Yeah. Because you're a person, they're a person, you got stuff in common, right? Something. And we've done that cross-culturally. I mean, we've done that in places that don't speak English. We've done that in places where aren't Christian. We've done that in places that are anti-Christian. We've done that in places where it's illegal to be a Christian. But there's something in common that we have with people with a human story. This is my story. This is where I come from. This is how God reached into my life. And that's it. I mean, that seems simple, and that seems like it's something that we should be able to, um, you know, kind of intuitively grab onto. And I, and I think it is something intuitively that we should be able to grab onto, that our story is important. And we may not be important people, we may not be famous people, we may not be people that anybody cares about too much, but our story is important to the work of the kingdom. It's, it's important to the testimony, in other words, the story that people want that God wants people to hear. You know, Revelation 3.20 gives a, a picture of Jesus. And it is a picture of Jesus. And in his attitude toward people, whether they're Jews, Gentiles, religious, non-religious, whoever they are, it, this is his attitude. Revelation 3.20. Somebody read that? You might know it off the top of your head. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Alright, so that's the invitation. So what does he use to be a picture for that? What's the picture we have? Knocking on the door and eating. Knocking on door and eating. Uh, it's pretty universal. <laughs> Everybody eats. And that's how we got that best-selling book for kids, Everybody Poops, <laughs> because everybody eats. So a point of understanding and a point of contact with people, a point of relationship with people is eating. And so Jesus is saying, you know, what's the picture he gives us? What's his state? Where is he? What's he doing? He's standing at the door and he's knocking. And he wants to come in and eat with you. Just invite him in. See, that's the universal picture that he wanted people to understand. That's a word to the religious and the non-religious. That's a word to people that have experience with God, no experience with God. That's a word that is to somebody that knows the Scriptures, doesn't know the Scriptures, doesn't matter. Because he's using something that's universal. Everybody eats. Everybody eats. So, I want to come eat with you. Alright. And so he gives us that picture. And just to put some things in a little more context. Isaiah chapter 57. If you want to turn there. Isaiah 57, 19. Isaiah 57, 19. Creating praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. Peace, peace to those who fire in the air, says the Lord, and I will heal them. All right. So, so what this verse, this is the original, okay? This is the original idea that the rest of these are based on what we've been looking at. Peace, peace to those who are far and near. All right, and that's the idea behind that. You've got the near... Those are the people you know. Those are the people that were a part of the nation. That's the people that were part of what they were doing, who Isaiah was prophesying to. Then you got those that are far. Who are the far? They're the pagans, the people that don't know what's going on, the people that don't know God, the people that are far. 
Could it be the people of today? Yeah. Could it be the people far away or the people of the future? Sure. Anything you want. Make something up. Doesn't matter. Near and far. Alright? Because the idea behind that is that there should be no place, and this is and this is what we're trying to say, that there should be no place that is exempt from what God is doing, from what God is saying. And what we see him creating here is a system, a philosophy, an idea, a reality. It's really just a reality is all it is. And you can apply the rest of those things to it if you want. But what he is preaching, what he is spontaneously proclaiming, the truth that's coming forth from him has a universal appeal, it has a universal application, and it produces peace or reconciliation. That's the nature of it. And so whether you want to read that in Isaiah, or you want to read that in Ephesians, or you want to read that in Revelation chapter 3, or you want to look through the Gospels and begin to pick some of those things out in John chapter 14, Acts chapter 2, and you begin to, to move through the Scriptures, what you are seeing is the building of a universal, simple, comprehensible Gospel. That's what you're seeing. That is not going to be based on your culture, your birth mother or father. It's not going to be based on your family. It's not going to be based on anything except for your willingness. Your willingness to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Period. And that's all it's going to be based on. So, you've got which I, I would assume or I would say that you could have different ways that that would look. You could have uh, different people to emphasize different portions of it. You have people that want to emphasize the, say, the baptism side of it. You have people that want to emphasize the baptism in the Holy Spirit side of it. You have people that want to emphasize the love side of it. People that want to emphasize the peace side of it. People that want to emphasize whatever they want to emphasize. But the thing that we have to be careful of is not emphasizing anything that excludes someone, anyone, from coming into that place of relationship with them. Now, there's honest disagreements, there's honest understandings, misunderstandings, whatever, I, and I'm not really talking about those, and I'm not trying to get caught up in details. But what I'm trying to, to say is that there's a bigger idea play here. That the idea of the kingdom is probably bigger than what we think the idea of the kingdom is. That the kingdom is a bigger place. The kingdom is a more inclusive place than I think that we're willing to allow ourselves to believe sometimes. But I think it's huge and I think it's big. And I, I want to be a part of, more a part of that side of this than I do trying to secure you know, our little spot, our little corner, or whatever it is people do with that. Because I, I really don't see anything that is going to be helpful about that. So, uh, Ephesians 3.13. Got a few more of these for you. with you, but then he's described as our peace. Wait a minute. 
Yeah. So how do you reconcile that? Being at peace. <laughs> yeah, how do, you reconcile, how do you reconcile? He is our peace, but he's leaving his peace. He's staying in us. He's with us, right? Yeah, see, and I think that's important. I, I think that's uh, I think that's an important distinctive for us to have that it's one thing for somebody to say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to give you this. It's another thing for them to say, well, that's me. Now, both of them can be true, but if he is our peace, if he is peace, then it implies, to me at least, that there is a premium on his presence in our life. All right, so Jesus is peace. Let's look at two ways he's peace. He's peace in deed. What does that mean? Peace and deed. What's a deed? An action. Okay. So Ephesians, let's try this. Ephesians 2.14. Hmm. Tim, Tim, can you do it? 2.14? For he himself is our peace. All right, yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tim. I keep going the rest of the verse? Oh, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. All right, so he himself is our peace, which I think is important there. Okay. So he's peace indeed, and then he's also peace in word. Now, so what do what you your peace in word? What does that mean? Or speak it, or what? Will it to be? Mm -hmm. The words you say have peace in them. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's two sides. Is you know, like uh, I think sometimes we we get too far away from certain things that are just really obvious truths. One is that it's important to love people. All right, so we're loving someone indeed is taking action and living your life in such a way that you're showing love to them. And, and that, I think that's, there's a premium on that. I think that's important. But I also think it's important that you speak that to people too. Alright? So, so, what's the overreaction to that? Well, because we need to hear it and I think it's reassuring and I think people, you know, enjoy hearing that stuff. So what's the overreaction to that? Well, the overreaction comes down when people say they love you, but then they don't love you in deed. Alright? So if you love someone in word only, then that has a hard time being real love because there's no nothing backing it up. And as we all know, talk is cheap. Right. Unless, of course, it's paired with deeds. Then it's usually not cheap at all. So Jesus is peace in word, but he's also peace in deed. Let's look at Ephesians 2.17. Tim, you did so good that night. 2.17 for us. Sure. He came and preached peace to those, to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. See, we heard, we heard that verse already, right? Right, right? We're back to the same verse we started at. All right. There it was. So, so he preached, in other words, he spoke, he, he proclaimed, Spontaneously, this is what has happened, this is what is true, okay? And so he's peace in word, but he's also peace in deed. Yeah, indeed. In action. And that's really what I want to say with that. So, so what advantage is there? Or why do you think there, because these verses are talking about unification. What's the advantage to a unified faith? Those barriers of disagreements aren't there. Okay. Barrier is the key word. Yep. Any kind of barrier, really. It's supposed to eliminate those kind of barriers. Now, funny though, about Jesus being our peace, and Jesus being the peace that, that uh, brings a unified faith, what is the biggest tripping point of people entering into a unified faith. Who Jesus is. Who Jesus is, right. So Jesus is the peace. He is the actual one that, that is able to bring the unified faith, but at the same time, he's the biggest stumbling block. Mm 
He's the biggest tripping point. And so people that can't just take hold of a simple faith in Christ or can't believe he is who he said he was or whatever, they have a hard time entering into that unified faith that God has made available to us all. But it's going to come from not an intellectual ascent. It's not going to come from just figuring it out. It's not going to come relationally. And that was a huge revelation to us years ago in that this isn't about arguing it through. We're not going to argue about it. It's not about convincing somebody. Because you can win an argument and lose the war. I mean, you can win the battle. Lose the war over something that really doesn't matter. And that's part of the problem trying to make this some kind of a mental exercise. Because it's not really a mental exercise. There has to come a point where it's just, I know this person, Jesus, and you're not going to tell me any differently. I mean, someone's not going to tell me I, I don't know Patrick. Because I know Patrick. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Patrick doesn't exist. No, I see him all the time. He really does. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I can even describe things about Patrick. You know, I could, I could tell us, uh, just say, you know, well, Patrick likes Star Wars. He likes, he likes Middle Earth. Two for two. You know, Patrick, Patrick, one of Patrick's favorite TV shows is Firefly. He didn't think the movie was that good, but the series was really good. I can tell him that. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, I could go on. I mean, but they tell me, well, no, I just don't believe in Patrick. Well, I don't really care if you believe in Patrick or not. Because <laughs> that's a moot point, because I know him. All right? And whether you believe in him or not doesn't affect his existence one bit. And, and so there's no argument. I'm not going to argue with somebody. The best thing I could possibly do, what's the best thing I could do to, to prove that Patrick exists to somebody? Introduce Bring him around. Let him meet him, right? And here's Patrick. Wow. There he is. And all his, In all his glory, there he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the solution to that, that issue right there. You know, that, that is the solution. Even calling Patrick on the phone, I mean, it's better than nothing. All right? but, but that is the solution to whatever the issue is that, I, I don't know what the issue is. Bitterness? Disappointment? Why, why does somebody take such a hard stand? They got all kinds of reasons. God didn't jump through the hoop that they demanded. Ten years ago, and so they're going to hate him now. I mean, whatever it is. But the solution to that, I'm not going to talk them into it. Right? I mean, there are pretty good salesmen that can do that. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, or I know that's just not effective. At least not most of the time. So, so more effectively, it becomes a relationship, a point of relationship. And it's from that point of relationship that unified faith is built. But it has to start with that relationship. And so the real crux of the matter is if I, you know, and I'm not, labels aren't important in this. Right, so I'm running up to somebody, oh, they said they were a Christian. Does that mean you have a unified faith with that person? No. It doesn't. And you know that if you've known enough people that call themselves Christians, that you may not or you may. And really, the, the issue there isn't, we're going to argue about doctrine. I don't really care about it. What we're going to do, though, is we can talk about relationship with Jesus. If you want to talk about that, because that's really all that's going to matter in this, if there's ever going to be a unified faith with whoever that is. And I'm not judging it. I don't really care. I'm just saying that just to use a label or to use a word isn't, doesn't tell you a story. It tells you a word, an opinion, uh, whatever. It is a label, but that doesn't tell you the story. It doesn't tell me the story. And if you care enough, then you might want to find out what the story is. If you don't care, don't start the conversation. Because right, there's nothing worse than starting the conversation and then not caring about halfway through the conversation. Or realizing, I really don't care, and then you're stuck. So don't start it. Don't start it. 
But if you do care, then that's to me that's where you that's that's where you start. Because this proclamation is being made, this spontaneous truth that's being spoken and being poured out, like I said, we have a direct connection to that. It's being spoken to us. And so that's what draws us. That's that relationship. Peace. Well, He's our peace. Where are we going to get that? Through our relationship with Him. He dwells with us. He lives with us. He abides with us. We're with Him all the time. He's our friend. So there it is. That's the basis of it. Where we go from there, that's where we're going to go. So, somebody that doesn't know God, didn't even think about Him, raised in a household, never went to church, didn't know anything about God, just knows a little bit about Christmas and a little bit about Easter. But Easter's mainly about the bunny and Christmas mainly about Santa. What can you tell them about? Jesus. How are you talking about Jesus? I ain't met him. Your story. My story. Yeah. Well, what if they say, well, well, how does it work? Like, what does he want? I mean, what could you use? Well, anything that's common. He wants to come in and have dinner with you. He wants to know you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to... What do you want to say? Because relationship is the key to all of this. And I, and I suppose I, I wanted to do this tonight because I didn't want to lose focus of that. I never want to lose focus of that. I never want to lose focus of how God brought us together. Because God brought us together from a lot of different weird backgrounds and, and different orientations and different belief systems and different types of families and different types of experiences and, and uh, different moral climates and, and different financial uh, economic brackets and all kinds of things. Different parts of the country even. God brought us together. Different cultures. Different languages. Over the years, I, I don't know how many languages have come through this church. But He brought us together. How does He do that? Well, it's relational. You know, people come here sometimes and they're like, well, how do you guys all get along? <laughs> Well, we get along with Jesus. You know, I mean, I don't say that, but that's really, that has to be the answer to that. But our relationship with each other goes through Him. Our relationship with Him. And thankfully, chicken tenders. And chicken tenders. Because <laughs> they're good. But that's back to the eating thing that we have in common. See? <laughs> Behold, I stand at Tully's and not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so taking us to that place, and, and by that place I mean that spot, that, that moment that we're going to find ourselves in in the next week or so. Uh, we need to keep it simple. All right? We need to keep it simple. Always simple. The people that I've known as the best evangelists, they just keep it simple. The people I've known that have been most effective at reaching people for Jesus, just keep it simple and relaxed and real, because that's what matters. Um, we don't need people jumping through hoops. We don't need people taking a, a pass so that they can wait in line to get in to see Jesus. Uh, He's available here and ready. So what does this say to you? That's why I'm going to close. What does it say to you guys? Where, where does this meet you? At what point do you forget this? At what point does this become more complicated than it needs to be? And that's going to be different for each one of us. Is it when we're stressed? Is it when we are angry, frustrated? Is it when God speaks to us and we don't want to hear what He has to say? Is it when we don't want to change? The best way to disobey without feeling bad is just to be confused. <laughs> 
I'm on to that though. <laughs> to act confused is so you don't have to do what you need to do. It's a good trick. It's an old one, but it's a good one. Enough people around here know that one though, so <laughs> be careful when you throw that one out. Somebody may call you on it. Maybe it's when you're afraid. It gets complicated. When you get bored, when you're tired, when you need a nap, a siesta. I don't know. So I want you to think about that and um, let's make that a point of prayer right now. We're just going to take a few moments to pray and let's make that a point of prayer. Right there, that spot, that moment where everything just gets all complicated. Let God begin to change your heart. Maybe you're here tonight and something I said, I don't know, kind of shook at you a little bit. Let's pray for some change of heart. Maybe some change of attitude about when God speaks. Not to... Just dismiss it because you never heard that before. Not to just uh, dismiss it because you disagree off the bat. Or it's not in your experience base or whatever it would be. Or it makes you uncomfortable. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd uh, change, change our mindsets where they need to be changed in order to receive of you. Because God, I want to be ready when you give me a word that I've never heard before. I want to be ready when you tell me to do something that I don't want to do. I want to be ready when you say something I disagree with to lay that aside and let you teach me. I want to be ready. And I want to be willing. And so God, I, I pray that you would help me to change what needs to change, whatever mindsets need to change, whatever attitudes that need to change. I pray against pride and the lies that, that pride produces in our hearts and our lives. And I ask you, God, that you would begin to destroy pride in us, that we'd be open and willing, pliable, soft, ready, God, or whatever it is. God, you want to do some weird miracles among us? I pray you do it. God, you want some... some Weird manifestations, you want to do that here in our midst? I pray you'd do it. Because I ask you, God, that we wouldn't hinder that. We wouldn't hinder your work. We wouldn't hinder, God, the way that you want to reveal yourself to us. Because of our own prejudices. Because of our own experiences. Because of whatever it is that's in our heads. But God, I pray the new thing. I pray the, the thing that is different. I pray, God, whatever it is you choose to do and bring in revelation to bring it, God. We want it. I just ask you that, that we be open and willing and ready on those days and on those nights, God, where you choose to reveal yourself in ways you've never seen before, ever, ever. I pray that we're open and ready. Thank you, God. And I pray a simplicity over each of us in our faith and that you would unite us in that faith. Because you united us to you. We know you. You're our friend. We, we, we are joined together with you. And it's through you that we're joined with each other. And so God, I, I pray that those, strength, that those bonds would be strengthened in the name of Jesus and that our common faith would be strengthened together. I ask you for a real simplicity to, to, to dominate our thoughts and dominate our hearts. To dominate our understandings, God, in Jesus' name. And those points that we forget about, that simplicity, those points where we make it complicated, those points where we, we begin to make stuff up or we begin to, to get territorial or we begin to argue or begin whatever it is we're doing, God, I pray that those points, you minister to us at those points. And I pray healing 
And I pray wholeness to those places in our hearts and our lives, God, that produce those moments and produce those responses. Heal them up, God. Heal them up. Even hard places, heal them up. Sore places, heal them up. Places where we're afraid, I pray, the perfect love, the perfect love of God will just flow into those places and cast out all fear. Heal it up, God. Heal it up. Thank you, Lord. Guys, thank you for your word tonight. I pray that it will continue just to have an effect in us. Continue to speak to us. I pray ask it in Jesus' name. Let's be by saying amen. 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 Thank you for coming tonight. It's good to see everybody. We'll be heading out right afterwards to uh, get some chicken tenders or something. And you're all invited. <laughs> okay, it was Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13. Remember it was the far and away one? It says, But now in Christ Jesus you were once who were far away and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Yeah. Ephesians 2.13, for those who take it note. Yeah, plug that. 